0: What's up Dolph fans? Welcome into the Wednesday, May the 16th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we examine the players Miami can least afford to lose to injury in 2018. We go back to 2016 and touch on the applications we can apply to this year's offense and it is softball season once again but first, before any of that I have to remind you guys, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts leave us a rating, leave us a review, give me a follow on Twitter, voted the best follow on Dolphins Twitter by my peers at Wingfield NFL and follow the show at LockdownFins. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com We have the Ryan Tannehill charting project fully underway. We have a new piece up right now. We're going to talk about that on the podcast today, talking about players Dolphins can least afford to lose to injury, as well as a charting project coming from Kevin Dern in the very near future. I am very excited about that. And then last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's go ahead and get right into it. That's another Miami Dolphins so as you guys know, I'm going back over the 2016 season and trying to make applications from that year's offense to what we're going to see this year. And it is the dead season. It's the dead period of the football calendar. So that's why we're going back into the old stuff, finding projects and finding series to get into. And I've got more of those coming down the line. The Tannehill one will be complete, hopefully by the end of this month. And then we'll get into the Know the Enemy series, talking about all the 13 opponents the Dolphins will play in 2018. But these projects have a place for going into 2018, just because you can really start to to apply some of the principles from the 2016 offense to what we should see this year and although that roster was different in its makeup in terms of having a lot less depth and having guys that are really the focal points of that group compared to this year's ball distribution offense you can see some of the same principles from route concepts from personnel groupings and the way Ryan Tannehill will be expected to perform in 2018 I think that those applications again to use that word really apply themselves when you look at the early season of 2016 or the early part of the season and the reason I bring it up is because early on like I said in the previous few podcasts they were shotgun based. 11 personnel 11 personnel means three wide receivers one tight end one running back and it was almost always the same guys Jordan Cameron very early on and then Deion Sims came in once he was injured and then at running back it was Arian Foster for about a game and a quarter until he got hurt and then they went on to the combination of Kenyon Drake, Isaiah Peed, and of course, Jay Ajayi, who would break out later that season. But they were really forced by injury, and the roster changes and personnel groupings came by because of injuries. And in that Bengals game, they were down a lineman, at the, on the left side of the line, I believe it was Brandon Albert missed that game. Laramie Tunzel kicks out to left tackle in that game. And while Anthony Steen was a bit of a tire fire at center and the left guard position was a revolving door when Tunzel wasn't in there, they had to go with another unproven player there. So it was a, a really patchwork offensive line. But because of that, they went to more of an empty backfield, no running backs backed by Tannehill. He didn't have, he wasn't flanked by a running back on either side of him in the shotgun. They stuck to the 11 personnel for the most part, but it was Deion Sims, flexed out as well as the running back flexed out. And even then they would change it up to go more four wide receiver sets, getting Leontae Carew a little bit more involved, as well as going with just 0-1 personnel, taking a running back off the field altogether and running with four wide receivers and then no running back in the backfield on the tight end. So there were lots of changes that came via the injury, but I think you can see a lot of that coming down the pipeline in 2018, just based upon the fact that the Dolphins have the pieces to go ahead and make that happen. I think that Adam Gaze, and he talked about how this is a team that has really the most inherent trait of his vision of what he wants the football team to be compared to the other two teams that he had in 2016 as well as in 2017. And he got into some habits that got him into trouble at certain times early in that season where in the Seahawks game, we talked about it, they were all shotgun, all 11 personnel, and it was no play action passing. And then the last drive of the game, they start off the the final drive or the drive before the final drive when they actually scored the touchdown to go ahead before the defense gave the lead back. On that drive, they open with two plays under center, play action passing, and Ryan Tannehill – got hot and let them down the field for a touchdown drive and then you go to the Cleveland game he throws a, a bad pick on the very first play of the game or the very first throw of the game he throws another pick later on that wasn't his fault but it gets returned for a touchdown and then he becomes a run heavy based offense with play action principles and Ryan Tannehill dazzled in that aspect as well you go to the Cincinnati game injuries force him into a new plan there so I think that Adam Gase maybe had to do some learning early on and this is a 38 year old head coach when we first got him so you expect those growing pains obviously the NFL and it's Fans aren't always willing to take those growing pains or willing to show the patience for that. And you guys are certainly validated in that just based off what the Dolphins have been in recent memory over the last couple of decades, or the better part of the last couple of decades. But you can just see where those changes... Made improvements for the Dolphins, both from Adam Gaze listening to Ryan Tannehill make suggestions coming over to the sideline and letting him know what he saw that was possibly open or could possibly work, opposed to doing the same thing over and over again, going three and out, taking sacks. He wanted to get the football out of his hands quickly. He wanted to run the ball more. He wanted to run more play action. He wanted to incorporate more tight ends. And I'm just really excited to see where this offense can go now that they have the pieces to run all of those because... I saw, I think it was Dan Orlovsky talking about Deshaun Watson's tool bag and how he can run zone read, he can run rollouts, he can run shotgun concepts, he can run play action, he can run multi-read layers of the defense and do certain things that the defense has to prepare for all week so it makes their job even harder, it makes them play not quite as fast because they have to think more. So that's the idea with this year's offense with Miami, is making the defense plan for more, make them think more, and make them play at a slower rate, whereas you have Jakeem Grant, Kenny Stills, Albert Wilson, Kenyon Drake, Kalen Balaj, all of these speedsters. Let's throw Mike Gasecki in there. Athletic guys that can make the game faster for the offense while simultaneously slowing down the defense And you look at what Ryan Tannehill became later on in that season and the comfort that he showed within the scheme obviously two of the two of the three best games of his career in my opinion came at the end of that season and the one against Arizona where he was really starting to get dialed in and he even mentioned the game was starting to slow down for him there and that was what had Adam Gaze really fawning over his quarterback was the growth within the offense and he saw it again in 2017 during OTAs and before the injury in training camp but there was a good video today. And I think it was by quarterback film room on Twitter showing the pin concept in the Arizona game on the first Kenny Stills touchdown pass in the first quarter of that game. And a pin concept, what it is, is you have two receivers to one side of the field and the far receiver, the split receiver, the closest to the sideline will run a post move. And in Kenny Stills case here, he ran a a triple move to get to the post, setting up that defensive back and the inside slot receiver will run a dig route, which is basically a deep in route. And so what that does is it pulls a safety on the field side of into that dig route and freeze the post up for the perimeter receiver for a potentially big play. And it was just, you guys have seen it and you can go back and look at it. I retweeted it. Check it out at Wingfield NFL on Twitter. I, I posted a comment about it on how gorgeous it was and his breakdown was very good. The timing, the anticipation, the accuracy, the zip, and the route by Kenny Stills all just top, top shelf there. So I think the offense will take shape much quicker, and it won't have to alter itself on a molecular level out of need, but rather out of choice. All right, we have a piece on LockdownDolphins.com right now talking about most costly potential injuries to the Dolphins in 2018, and we're going to talk about it next on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at LockdownFins. What's up, Dolphins? Back with you here, Travis Wingfield at Wingfield NFL, at locked on, Fins, on Twitter and LockedOnDolphins.com, the blog spot. I started writing a piece today as I record this on Tuesday afternoon evening for you guys for the Wednesday release of the podcast. And I started writing it with just a kind of, I guess, a filler mindset, so to speak. I was going to just talk about potential guys that could go down that would really hurt the Dolphins' season. And it turned into a bit of a long form. I think I got 1,500 words here. I got some tables for you guys that I'm prone to do. And I really really like this piece. So if you guys haven't seen it yet, check it out, lockdowndolphins.com. but just talking about the potential injuries that could most derail the 2018 season. And I know you guys are telling me to knock on wood just because I'm talking about injuries and we're out here in May, hoping that we can avoid last year's August and that debacle that took away our starting quarterback, our starting middle linebacker, probably the starting right cornerback before or the left cornerback, I should say before Cordray Tankersley stepped up and took that role. And Byron Maxwell was kind of a, a bum in his time with Miami, and then also the left guard or right guard, wherever you were going to play, Ted Larson. So hopefully we can avoid that catastrophe again. But I wanted to explain or get into the weeds here on on which positions the Dolphins really can't afford to lose because every team has them. Last year, you look at the Seahawks, the, who it wasn't the quarterback for them as it is for most teams, like the Packers, like the Texans, like the Dolphins. For the Seahawks, they lost Cliff Averill, Michael Bennett, Earl Thomas for a long period of time, Cam Chancellor, and Richard Sherman for the season. And you lose that many defensive stars on a team carried by its defense and your season's not going to go the way you'd hoped it would. They only win nine games, which is really a testament to Russell Wilson and how great he is. But they lose seven games and, and knock themselves out of the NFC playoffs because their defense was really a shell of its former self. So you look at what this team has in depth and this is a deep roster and there isn't a lot of star talent at the top, but they are deep, which affords them more flexibility and affords them a little bit more of an opportunity. If we were to, you know, cross your fingers endure another terrible training camp slash preseason. But the purpose of this piece was not to talk about the five most important players in the Dolphins. You guys all know who the best players on the team are, but it's to talk about the positions that can least afford an injury based upon who the backups are. And so we're going to go ahead and expel the quarterback from this experiment. We all know that the entire season hinges on Ryan Tannehill's health, but these are the five players that I listed as my top five. Let's go ahead and start with the bottom up and the fifth player might surprise you guys that he's so low. I went with Cameron and wake and the what I did on the piece here was kind of project out the snap counts for defensive ends based on what last year was and what we expect to see this year with changes to the defensive formations and packages but also just taking inventory of what the Dolphins have behind those guys. I have Cam Wake as the second highest snap taker on defense as a, as a pass rush specialist, a starter but based just because this group is so deep and you can afford to lose one of these guys, I think, and you'd be okay, but the one guy you cannot afford to lose is Cam Wake, just because his production is the only consistent mainstay on that particular unit. You have Charles Harris, who we all think is going to be you know, a good player, especially me. I think he's going to be a very good player, but right now, that's projection. Robert Quinn coming off of basically three down years after an MVP-type year, that's projection coming back into this defense. William Hayes, a run defensive specialist, you know, he's a different role than Cam Wake. Andre Branch, not even close to the player we hoped we got when we gave him a bunch of money. He was 57th out of 64 defensive ends last year, according to Pro Football Focus. So losing Cam Wake and the production that he gives you, I just think would be detrimental to this football team but that's that's why it's fifth because there are so many other defensive ends number four on the list I went with Minka Fitzpatrick and doing it in this order is probably going to throw it off a little bit because number four coincides with number three but losing Minka Fitzpatrick to me puts us right back into where we were in 2017 with the lack of flexibility and the lack of versatility and running out linebackers onto the field to cover guys and pass coverage way more than they should be whether it's a 15th 15 yard spot draw from Kiko Alonzo or Lawrence Timmons or even Kiko Alonzo taking up a slot receiver in man coverage, which are not going to win very much. So Minka Fitzpatrick has a lot on his plate as a rookie. Number three, Bobby McCain, the slot corner. And the reason I have him in here and the reason I have Minka over Rashad Jones for that particular spot is because, you know, McDonald, for what he was and how disappointing he may have been in 2017, he's a better fill in for Rashad Jones than he would be for Mika Fitzpatrick, and we all saw that last year. So, number three, Bobby McCain expected to play the slot. And I'd, I'd like to see him get more work on the perimeter, but you know, that's probably not going to happen. I think they like the guys they have. I don't think he should ever leave the field, but still, he's going to be a guy that plays 75% of the snaps in the nickel, and if he goes out, I'm okay with Minka Fitzpatrick coming into the nickel. That's not where I'm worried about, but I'm worried about losing the safety on the back end. Once again, we're stuck with Jones and McDonald, two similar players, and really takes away, cuts us off at the knee in terms of being able to be versatile and flexible. Number two on the list is left tackle Laramie Tunzel. And I said that the offensive line depth has been as good as it's been in a decade, really. And truthfully, probably the starters as well. But losing Laramie Tunzel for a couple of games would be okay because I think Sam Young's capable of playing against certain guys. But we also saw Sam Young get worked by Vaughn Miller and Khalil Mack last year. Most guys do, but I think Laramie Tunzel gives you more ability to handle those types of superstar rushers as well as Jawan James on the other side. And the reason I have Tunzel is because I think Sam Young would be a better right tackle replacement. I don't want to move James over to left tackle ever again. He is a right tackle 100% 100% all the way there. So if you lose Tunzel for an extended period of time, that puts Sam Young into a real prominent role at left tackle. And I just don't like that, even though I like Sam Young as a swing tackle. And the number one player the Dolphins cannot afford to lose outside of the quarterback is Raquan McMillan once again. And that's dicey just because you have a rookie linebacker, or I guess he's going to be a second-year linebacker, never played it down in the NFL, and you're putting so much faith into him. But I really really raised my level of expectations for him after that Pete Thamel piece on Yahoo talking about how much the Dolphins just were enamored with him both while he was at Ohio State and while he was in camp last summer and they just he kept getting promoted and and taking on new jobs and doing more and more in camp and then he gets hurt on a fluke play in preseason but the reason I have him up here is because I have him down for 1,000 snaps based on a 1,000 snap year for the defense 100% of the snaps never leaves the field and without him you elevate Kiko Alonso into that role you elevate Jerome Baker into a more prominent role and then you get one of the guys that basically is there for depth, whether it's Terrence Garvin, Chase Allen, Stephon Anthony, maybe even Quentin Poling, whoever it might be, gets elevated into a more prominent role as well as a, I guess, a primary backup, a guy that gets onto the field for sub-packages and in rotation as well, so Losing McMillan would just be a death blow to the linebacker group. Something that I don't want to see again. We've seen it too many times, time and time again over the last few years. So hopefully McMillan stays healthy and this linebacker crew stays good to go. So that's Rayquell McMillan, number one, Larry Tunzel, number two, Bobby McCain, number three, Mika Fitzpatrick, number four, and Cameron Wake, number five with Ryan Tannehill. Obviously the cherry on top of all that. But beyond that, there really isn't a lot that I'm worried about. I love the depth at wide receiver. Obviously, Jarvis Landry's gone, but with Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant getting more work, and Danny Amendola, I think that you're going to be fine there, even if you have Devontae Parker suffering his annual injury. Offensive line very good and very deep. I like Ted Larson as a backup. Jake Brendel I feel okay about in a pinch beyond the stars we have up front. And then at running back, I feel even like if if Kenny Drake got injured injured for a short period of time, we could survive that with Frank Gore filling in and Kalen Ballage hopefully getting more acclimated as the year goes along. Defensive tackle doesn't really rely solely on one play player anymore and Dama can sue. I'm not going to say his loss is a good thing, it's not but if you lose one player, if it was Ndama Suh last year, that meant a lot of trouble but now hopefully with Vincent Taylor getting back into the fold more and Akeem Spence getting into the fold, you're not at big a bigger risk for losing one guy and just decimating the entire group and then a corner, hopefully a little bit deeper with Tony Lippett. even though we talked to Ian Wharton yesterday and he doesn't feel great about him returning from the Achilles so that's my list, it's unlocked on dolphins.com. if you guys want to read more, I have projected snap counts, PFF grades, and i wrote up even more on why I picked these guys. So check that out right now. We've got a little bit more show left, including another horrific prediction from the national media coming up next on Locked on Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked on Fins. If you guys are tired by now of the mention of the national media tweets and the comments and the opinions, you can go ahead and let me know on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. But I'm gonna keep doing it. It's the slow time of year. These guys are gonna keep talking. I'm gonna keep shooting them down. And the newest one comes from one of my least favorite writers, or if you want to call him that, he is a has made a career out of following fake football, fantasy football. I don't want to talk too much crap about it because I know you guys out there, probably a large percentage of you, love fantasy football. I personally despise it. It goes against everything that football is supposed to be, in my opinion. The ultimate team sport turned into an individualized accolades contest. I just don't like that. And he he writes from a fantasy perspective and applies it to real football. He is Mike Clay from ESPN. Just really, really, really dreadful opinions and takes in my opinion and his newest one he had the top five projected picks in next year's draft he has three out of the four AFC East teams picking in the top four including our Miami Dolphins picking number three so you can let him know on Twitter I believe he's at Mike Clay NFL or something like that that he is horribly wrong and just flood his Twitter with that type of stuff and then also Walter Football which (laughs) has kind of become at one of the laughing stocks of football coverage. And he really got popular for his gambling takes and good for him that it became legal now. Cause he might even get more traffic, but he, him and his crew over there had similar predictions, having the Miami dolphins pick number one in the draft. And I just don't see where it comes from. I saw a tweet from someone else, a dolphins fan the other day saying dolphins got to earn their respect because we haven't won more than eight games except for one time in the last eight years. And yeah, they haven't, but they also haven't lost more than six games or haven't, haven't lost more than 10 games going back to that time span too. So they've been mediocre, but they haven't been horrible train wreck, disaster of a franchise like so many people want to paint them out to be. And getting Ryan Tannehill back for Jay Cutler, you guys know that that's just not going to happen if Tannehill stays healthy. And you'll notice the theme here with these guys that are sending out these tweets or these predictions or these comments or writing about it. Bill Barnwell, Omar Kelly, Chris Wessling. It's that these are the people that are just not highly regarded by their peers. They are often chastised for having little knowledge of the game and even less knowledge of this team. So continue to read that stuff to me. I'll, I'll shoot it out on the podcast here. I'll tweet about it. I'll talk about it. Whatever you guys want to do, we will continue to bury these terrible opinions of the national media. And before we get out of here on this podcast, I wanted to tell you guys that. Beer League softball is back tonight. The Tri-City Tropics, we basically branded ourselves after the Will Ferrell movie, Semi-Pro, and had the exact same jerseys. I posted a picture of our jerseys a while back. We did nickname jokes on the back of the jerseys. They picked Mrs. Tannehill for me. Very, very fitting. So very much looking forward to the start of the season. Always a good time of year to kind of give me a precursor for football as well as just some good summertime fun, having some beers with the boys and playing some ball. And I'll probably be batting batting first and playing shortstop as I typically do on this team. But that will do it for tonight's podcast, guys. I'll let you know how the games go tomorrow on the Thursday podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Linkville NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. And follow our flagship show at LockedOnFins. Locked on NFL, both on Twitter and Facebook. Check out LockdownDolphins.com for all your daily written content needs. You guys have a terrific rest of your night. We'll talk to you tomorrow with another edition of Locked on Dolphins podcast, your daily dose from Miami Dolphins football.